morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? Yeah, happy Mother's Day to little moms in the house. Want to welcome everyone here. What did you say? We, we just thank God for all the moms because we wouldn't be here without you. I'm thinking, I hear you say that in our home all the time in a different way. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. And you ain't smiling and laughing either when you say it. Okay. Want to welcome everyone to our, you know, the fifth week of our current teaching series of emojis. And in this teaching series, we're going into the Bible, which we call God's Word, and we're studying how to successfully navigate our emotions. Because, you know, emotions are given to us by God. We believe this to enhance our lives, to make our lives richer and fuller, to draw us closer to God. But when our emotions get out of whack, when they're controlling us and we're not controlling them, you know, there can be damage in our lives, even destruction at times. So we're going to look, this is what this series is about, how to get a hold of our emotions, use them in a way that honors God and benefits us. Now, in the past weeks, we spoke about sorrow, anger, compassion. Last week was fear. I thought that went really well. This week, we're going to talk about the emotion of gratitude. Huh? Now, now, this emotion, and you'll hear me say this several times, in my life, this is the most powerful emotion that exists in Dave. And it's just, it's just done so much for me, and this means a lot to me. I had to flip this around so many times because it's just so personable. I had to try not to overwhelm the sermon that way, but it's hard because the emotion of gratitude has just been and meant so much to me in my life. And God has used it in me to bring me to where I am today. You know, when we started a church, uh, we, we came into the cinema, wow, I think, we're only a few weeks away from when we came in here six years ago when we first came in here, Father's Day of 2011. And we, we were, when, when all was said and done, there were 28 people that came in that morning, of which I think about maybe eight to ten were coming kind of just to be kind. And they, they were friends of us. They had no intention of actually staying to be part of the church. Uh, another eight of that 18 to 20 that remained were my family. So we probably had about like 10 to 12 people that were like, we're going to be a part of your church, you know. And... At that point, when the day was over, you know, Chris and I, we were kind of at a pause because we, we, we really didn't know what to do. We were, we were drained emotionally. We were drained financially. We were drained physically. Uh, it had been a long year and a half leading up to that point. Uh, we had $124 left in the bank with four kids and a mortgage. It doesn't go too far, right? And although it did feel good, to, you know, we had eight, nine people in our living room to see 20-something people. Wow, that was a big deal. But we, I really thought that pretty much we had come to the end, that the church plant was not going to happen. There would not be a Chair City Community Church, which if you haven't figured it out by now, it's Chair City Church. Well, just how we do things around here. It just happens, okay? Uh, but, um, you know, we just, uh, we just thought, it just, I thought personally, I remember telling Christy, you know, this whole process of planting a church, it really was more about Dave Trelongo and, and me becoming a better man, a better father, a, a, a better husband, me growing, overcoming things I'd always wanted to. And, and it really did. It kind of humbled me, and it brought me closer to God, which is ultimately where we want to be. And I was, I was you know what? And, and at first I struggled. When I first came to the realization that I didn't think it was going to happen, I went to my office, and I, I remember sitting there with my, hands, my face in my hands and just you know, taking deep breaths, like, what happened? How did this happen? And then I just began to be filled with this gratitude upon realizing what I had told Christy was true, that, that I was better and we were better. And I had grown in ways I don't think I ever could have without that really difficult year, year and a half. And so now we're coming to that place, we go in a second time, you know, because now we're just, you know, with that sense of gratitude, I feel stronger. I still think we're not going to go anywhere. 
you know, but there was this kind of a clamor and a call to come in for the second time. We had no money to send them when we went to them, you know, telling them we were going to come in a couple of times. They said, you know, the guy said, well, you're just coming in now. I said, yeah. He said, fine, don't worry about it. They let us come in. Didn't cost us anything. That's just wow when I look back. And so we come in the second time. And after the second time that week, now I'm kind of formulating what's next. Like, how do we tell the people, you know, we're, we're not going to be doing this or sh- I don't know. I'm starting to feel strength. Should I do this? I'm in between. We get a call and an invitation from a couple who had been at the second service. They invite us out to lunch at Friendly's. And so we go to Friendly's and we're sitting there and, you know, uh, waitress comes over, brings us our drink. I thank her. We're chit-chatting. She bring, the waitress brings us over the food and I thank her. And there we are now over lunch eating food. And the man, uh, of the, you know, part of the couple looks over at me intently and he says to me, he says, you know, I know you, you think that... Uh, you got a, a really good deal there at the cinema, you know, and as far as, you know, if you go forward and what you think you might have worked out with them, or you think it's a really good plan to meet there. He said, you know, I think every month if you pay rent and you stay there, you're giving money to the devil. That's it, right? It's like, wow, that's, this was boom, you know, right there. And, uh, you know, it was like, like a thud over the whole conversation, really a pause. And he looks over at me and Chris, and he says, you know what? He says, in so many words is what he said. He said, me and my wife, we've always believed that it is so important that people come to know Jesus Christ, you know, come to a personal relationship with Jesus. And, and we saw that growing up, but we don't see it much anymore. And it really saddens us. He said, and I believe that you and Christy have a passion to do this, that you really believe in doing this, and you're going to sacrifice, and you're going to suffer to do this. And, uh, and with that, he opened up his wallet, he took out a check, and he gave me a check for $11,500. How cool is that, right? Yeah. And so in that moment, I was filled with gratitude. Huh? I mean, it welled up at me instantaneously. Pow, pow, pow. You know, meaning that it it had already been there. I think back that if gratitude hadn't come upon me in the days and a week earlier, if I hadn't nurtured that gratitude, if I hadn't yielded to God and honored him and and, and felt that gratitude rather than going to anger, because I had a lot to be angry about. You know, you plant a church in New England. Wow. (laughs) You know. I had a lot to be angry at, to be disappointed about in myself and others all over the place, right? But instead, I went to gratitude. Huh? I let gratitude reign in me. And now here, I don't, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been at that table. I wouldn't have been there having lunch with me and Christy. I would have never got $11,500 dropped on me. I wouldn't have had that incredible experience. I wouldn't be talking to you. We wouldn't be here today, right? And so that's that gratitude. Now, there's a difference between gratitude and thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is what I was tossing out to the waitress, you know? You know, I, I probably did mean it, kind of, sort of, thanks, thanks, you know, cordial. But that's not gratitude. Gratitude comes from deep within you. Gratitude is a powerful emotion. I wholeheartedly, in my opinion, I think it is the most powerful emotion within us, gratitude. You see it when it's not there. You see the dilemma, how people's lives are plagued when they're ungrateful and they don't have gratitude. And you see the power of people who are in some of the most difficult, dangerous, overwhelming, depraved situations that rise up from a place of gratitude. They see what's not there. They do what they think they could not be done. And it's an incredible thing, right? Gratitude. Now, gratitude grows from grace. It's the grace of God that enables us to be gratitude. When we realize what God has done in our lives, gratitude grows from that. 
Gratitude is a response to grace. So it's kind of like grace, gratitude, gratitude, grace. They feed one another. The grace of God given to us, that God has given to us and he's done for us more than we deserve, more than we ever could imagine. We cannot pay it. We're not expected to pay it. Huh? But only to recognize all that God has done for us fills us with gratitude, draws us closer to him, fills us with love. Huh? Gratitude. And this is why God commands not to just that we live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, in the Bible, you're not going to see that word gratitude a lot. Often when I use this word thanksgiving, at times, it really, if you dug deep into the original meaning, the definition resembles all word gratitude in as much as it does thanksgiving. So in 1 Chronicles 16, 8, give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what is it then? If it's such a wonderful, powerful, necessary in my eyes, emotion, what is it that hinders us to experience gratitude to higher degrees over a longer period of time? What are the obstacles that get in the way of us having this kind of an attitude of gratitude? And, you know, an obstacle is something that's put in your way to hinder you from continuing on a particular path or a journey. It blocks your progress. What is it that's hindering you and me from experience growing more grateful? Now, the first one is this morning, and it could be others. I'm going to toss out a few to, a few to you this morning. The first one's what I call the perspective obstacle. You know, sometimes we have trouble coming to a place of gratitude because we don't see our lives in a proper perspective. We just got in a habit. Our minds have been trained and conditioned to see our lives in a distorted way to what it really is in, in comparison to what is, you know, in context. Now, have you ever... Now, I went to Mexico City... Chrissy was pregnant with the twins, I guess, about 15 years ago. Huh? I, I'm a homebody. I don't fling out. I don't, you know. But there was this one time I, I had worked with these, uh, these children. Well, they were teenagers. They came from really difficult homes. We spent two years working with about 10 kids. We worked with over 50-something kids, 60 kids, maybe almost up to 100. But there were these 10 kids that really were committed. And, you know, we worked with them, raised thousands of dollars. They were committed. In the end, we wound up with three teens, you know. Because, you know, who knows who got suspended, who got, went into a group home, whose brother stole their money. You know, you just, you just battled through it all, and you come tonight. We got three teens that made, made it through all of it, you know, functioned well, went to the meetings, and now we, we took them to Mexico City. I took them to Mexico City to be with, you know, other youth groups. And uh, it's a wonderful time to see what God had done, done in their life. But I was just taken back by Mexico City. I mean, for the most part, I just thought the place was disgusting, Right. I mean, it's crazy, you know, you're, the train is the opposite of like, of, of I think, um, I don't know, I'll speak for New York, I don't know about Boston, where like the nicest thing in Mexico City is the trains. It's like the subways and the trains, they're like super crazy clean, you know? I mean, they're really nice, they function well, and everything else, most other places, other than maybe deep down in the city, it's just really, there's a lot of pollution, a lot of dirt, uh, it, it's just a mass confusion there. And you ever... Have you ever complained about going to work? I, I have. I mean, even sometimes I'm on Route 2 and I get a little delayed. And then I remember growing up in, in New York and being on a Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Like, oh, yeah, that's traffic, right? But have you ever complained about your commute to work? Check out Mexico City. You know we have this saying about who has the right of way? 
Well, the right, away, the right of way there is in each individual's eyes. It's crazy, man. Like, I wouldn't even cross the street. Then, have you ever complained about your working environment? We were going into different places where they were working there, right? Now, here's a typical workshop in Mexico City. Often over 100 degrees, poor air circulation, hence sweatshop, right? Have you ever complained about the size of your home? We have four kids, a crazy dog, two rabbits, and a fish, right? And from time to time, we complain about, you know, man, you know, we wish we had more room here. We wish we had this, wish we had that. And I have a pretty good-sized home, right? Well, here's the typical-sized home in the slums of Mexico City. It's like crazy to think people would live like that, right? It's about this perspective, huh? Having a kind of a warped or perspective out of context can be an obstacle to us growing in gratitude. Stephen Covey. Really, he's a great author. He passed on, passed on, passed on. I really enjoyed reading his stuff. I was the author of uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. He tells a story in that book of getting up one morning on a Saturday in New York City and going to work. He said it was awesome because it, it was really early in the morning and there was no one on the train when I got on the train, which is like a big deal in New York City. Because I got my paper, I got a cup of coffee, I'm sitting down, I'm relaxing, and I'm starting to read the paper. And I'm just taking in the tranquility. He said, all of a sudden, this man comes on the train. He's got three children with him. And they just start running around, and they're yelling and making noise. They're jumping on the pole and sliding down. They're doing jump climbing on the ceiling with the bars. And then they run by me, and as one run by me, steps on my foot, and I'm really getting bothered now. You know, just nice and quiet. I mean, and this guy, he has no control over his kids. I mean, why don't you just tell him to sit down? Now it was obvious they stepped on my foot, tripped, the kid fell. He doesn't say anything. It's just the kids are just having their way. And then one runs by me and intentionally just like throws his arms up and smacks the paper, knocks it out of my hand. I'm like, oh, that's it. So I look at the guy. I'm like, excuse me, sir. Do you think you could speak to your children and have them behave? And the guy looks at me and he's, he just, with this blank stare, and he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, we just came from the hospital. Th their mother died, and I don't know what to tell them. He goes, in that moment, I was instantaneously, I was just changed instantaneously. I felt so much compassion and said, he's like, what can I do for this man? The kids, like, they could, like, climb on, on top of me. I didn't care. These are some of my words I'm tossing in. He said, in that moment, he called it a paradigm. I'm going to call it perspective. There was an entire paradigm shift. There was an entire shift of perspective, the way he saw things, huh? So listen, we having a faulty perspective can be really misleading and very undermining to you going on this path in life and having gratitude build up on you, huh? But if you would pause and consider God and all he has done and consider the goodness as he has brought in your life and the good you have, because there is good, there is good, there is good, there is good, well, then you'll come to a better realization. Christy and I, we, uh, it was a while ago, but we read the kids this book called Pollyanna. Is that her name? Yeah, it's a, it's a good book, you know, and it's like no matter what, this girl will just find a way to be, you know, to have gratitude and be thankful. It's just good stuff done in any and every situation. Bible says to be thankful in all things. It's just, it's a great command of God. It's meant not to be laborious to you, but to energize you, to lift you up, to see gratitude grow in you. Huh? Okay, the next obstacle to kind of cultivating gratitude in your life is what we call the awareness obstacle. Now, I hit on this every several weeks, and there are certain things you'll you see me be repetitive, and that's because I see it going on in the lives of those that I pastor. Now, the internet, 
Social media, a lot of advantages to it, huh? Substantial, we use some of them, we'll continue. But it's also enabled us to be very quickly become aware of what's going on in people's lives. And that cannot be a good thing. So here we are and we're seeing, you know, this person just went on this trip, this person just moved into this house, this person just decorated this, this person got this car, this person can just graduate from such and such school. And as we filter these things, we tend to, we can filter them into a place kind of more of like a discouraging place. Meaning as, as we do this kind of unhealthy comparison with other people's lives, we can now become ungrateful or certainly wind up that, that gratitude, that emotion of gratitude will not be nurtured. It will not be entertained even. You know, we're just in this place of I don't have this, I don't have that, or, or, I, or what I, we do have is so minimized because it's not as good as what so-and-so has. Now, that's been going on for a long time. You heard the terms keeping up with the Joneses. They've been preaching this from pulpits for probably hundreds of years. But now, unlike never before, pop, 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 pop. It's so overwhelming. It comes in so consistently, really more than I think God made us to handle. I don't think our intellect, our, our brain, I don't think our emotions were, were, were made by God to handle such an onslaught of this information coming in, particularly this way right here. So be on your guard, huh? Be on your guard and know that, wow, be aware of what's going on in your mind as you look and this stuff and sense it and say, wow, this is going to, is, did I just have that thought? Did I just have that sense? Did I just have that feeling of, you know, uh, an unhealthy comparison of envy, maybe, huh? Of anger, huh? Of discouragement. Wow, you know what? If I let this stuff come in, it's gonna, it's gonna squash my gratitude. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go the other way right now. I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna, I'm gonna truly pause and talk to God about how grateful I am for what I do have, and what He's given me, huh? And I'm gonna start to really gain some joy and some peace from that. Make sense? All right. Look, it does. It just simply will undermine gratitude in your life, this powerful and I believe necessary emotion that God has given us. All right, so another obstacle, the last one that we'll toss out there, the last obstacle to realizing gratitude, and it's important, you want to realize this, is the age obstacles. <laughs> I had to rewrite this like six times because I wanted to be careful here. All right, so I still consider myself a young man. I really do. All right. So it's a fact that the older you get, the more you're prone to complain, all right, versus having this heart filled with gratitude. I'm not saying you don't have no gratitude. It's just, and look, and, and with good reason, you know, meaning, you know, my health, that's what it was. My back aches, my feet aches. The world was a great place when I was younger. Young people acted more respected when I was younger. You know, I had a purpose then. I wasn't retired. I mean, I can go on and on and on, right? I have more friends then, and some of them passed on. How sad, how sorrowful. In January, I think I've told you before, I took a course introduction to gerontology. It was about studying of aging, not only in this country, but around the world. Blew me away. Really, really tugged in my heart was an eye-opener, like, wow. And my sum of it was that, at that old age, and there's different categories of that, aging, really the, the center of the whole thing is about loss. You know, you, you, you lose some of your hair, you lose sight, you lose friends, you lose uh, the ability to drive, uh, you lose the ability to live in certain places, you lose a job. It, it just is, it's like almost like that seems to be the dominant thing in growing older. A bit sad, isn't it, you know? And, and in one study that, I, that we, uh, we learned about, they found that those people who focus on the loss, which is very real, 
they, they tend to struggle a lot. Uh, Health-wise, uh, emotionally, they, 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 don't, they don't seem to live well. Their lives are shortened and, and, there's, not, and there's less to their lives. But those people who, who practice what's called optimization, they didn't know these elderly people that they were practicing optimization, but that's the term given to what they were doing. They focused not on what they lost, but what they had, what, what remained, right? They were intent on really focusing and dwelling on what they had, right? They had two legs, now they had one. If they had four friends, now they had one. Whatever it was, they focused and they optimized what they had. Those elderly people, they went on to live longer, to have more vital and impacting lives. Huh? So here's my thought. Somewhere in that formula is gratitude. That gratitude was within those people who were looking and focusing. That's what enabled them to focus on this one thing or two things or whatever they had left versus what they had lost. They were filled with gratitude, the gratitude given them by God who created them and enabled them to really say, okay, look past what's been lost, but hold on to what you have and make the very most of it and be filled with gratitude. And that's a powerful thing, huh? All right, now, so what do we do? How do we kind of overcome these obstacles, these real obstacles relating to that hinder us from being filled with gratitude? Gratitude will change. It, it just will change your life. It'll change the way you view work, the way you perform at work. It'll change your marriage. You'll become closer to one another. You'll see the best in each other because that's what you want in a marriage. You know, I tell my kids, find somebody that's going to bring out the best in you and you look to bring out the best in someone else. When you get married, don't look to see what they're going to do for you. Look to see what you're going to do for them. And your heart is to bring out the best in them. And we're going to be looking out to make sure that we think they'll bring out the best in you. Right? But gratitude enables you to do that, to see the best. Your spouse has got some wonderful things in him or her. But without, if you don't look through the lens of gratitude, you're going to miss that, man. Huh? Your, your vision's going to be distorted, and you're going to miss a gift that God has for you. So whether it's relationships, spouses, children, job, work, you personally, gratitude is just so powerful in emotion in a positive way. So look, how do we, what do we want to do? To, to nurture, to create an environment where gratitude can grow, which means grace will abound. We want to choose to focus on the good. You know, you had, when you don't, you're just overwhelmed with the circumstances. You know, you hear the story about Moses and the Ten Commandments, and God brought Moses in, and he led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Well, they were, they were slaves for 400 years. They cried out to God, and God rescues them from slavery. He brings them, as they say, he brought us out of Egypt with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. But no sooner did they leave Egypt, and they begin complaining and grumbling because they don't have the same foods and the same desserts and, and all that they had in Egypt. <laughs> they, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. <laughs> They sat around pots filled with meat and ate. We, we were able to eat meat and bread and we were okay. Now, they could have focused on, on the fact that God had just delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Or they could have focused on the fact that God was bringing them to the promised land, the land he had promised their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. He, they could have focused on God is now giving them a Sabbath, a day of rest. After working day after day under deplorable conditions, now they were going to have ingrained in their religion, in their tradition, a day of rest. But they didn't focus on any of that good. They just looked to the bad. 
and the bad became magnified. Often I can myself do this. When I'm at my worst, I'm doing this. I can become ungrateful, not only to people around me, but just ultimately I'm ungrateful to God. It's what I call a lack of gratitude. This attitude of gratitude doesn't it has been diminished in my life. Listen. A day will come up on me where, you know, it's just right out of the gate. The day doesn't start well. My brain's just scrambled when I get going. I don't take the time to recover. I'm sitting here in my office at home. The dog's barking. My son Justin's debating with someone. My, my daughter Janelle is yelling at someone. Jason is flipping some water bottle, you know, trying to get it to stand up or something like that. Joy comes into my office to show me a picture that she drew. She wants me to guess what it is, huh? The whole time my wife is walking around calm as a cucumber, probably singing something, this and that. And I'm listening to all this, and I'll start to get like bothered or irritated, huh? Versus having a heart filled with gratitude. See, my heart, when, when I look at that with a heart filled with gratitude, you know, I listen to Justin, I realize, wow, my son is passionate about what he believes in, especially his faith. Thank God, huh? When I, I see that Janelle, and I hear her, and I'm like, wow, Janelle is bold and beautiful. She stands for what she believes in, you know? And, I, and I'm glad for that. I believe that's going to serve her well in her life, huh? Jason, he's just so determined to stick with something and get it right. He'll just do it over and over and over, huh? And I'm grateful that Joy is still interested in her daddy's approval. Oh, God, I hope that remains, huh? You know, and I cherish that right now. Daddy, I'm a, I want your approval more than anybody else's, huh? It's a beautiful thing for a dad. So here's what I'm trying to teach you today. Get it in your head. Write it down. To rejoice is a choice. Whether you see the, it's up to you whether you see this glass half empty or half full. It's really up to you because God has given you this gift of gratitude as an emotion. It's not so, it's here, it's in you. If you'd pause and you'd consider God and, and, and the, just wonder that he is. And all he has done and that even today he would bring you to this place. He would draw you here. He would order your steps that you're here today, hearing of him and hearing how you're made and hearing how you can instantaneously change your life for the better by being aware of the value of gratitude in your life. Huh? There's always going to be good and bad. Almost every situation is good and bad. We, we don't realize that often in a moment, but in retrospect, we get it, right? Listen, a heart filled with gratitude says focus on the good and be grateful. We have this expression here. We say, you know what? We gaze at our problems. I'm sorry. We glance at our problems and we gaze at God. That's what gratitude does. All right. So the next way that we can cultivate this attitude in our lives is to remind yourself of all you have to be grateful for. I mean, really sit down. Those who got through the concentration camps in Germany during the war, they, they practiced this gratitude. Viktor Frankl has some incredible writings on how they, they, would, they would focus on a gratitude, and a gratitude to God. Huh? There's a hymn out there, uh, Johnson Oatman Jr. Um, he's a, he wrote a hymn, and he wrote many hymns. But I want to remember, I'm going to... I don't remember singing this hymn. I didn't sing hymns. I didn't grow up in church, you know, but I'm going to read you the lyrics. Also, if I sang, it, it would be ugly. So <laughs> it says this, and hang in there with me. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. You're getting banged up against the rocks, man, okay? When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, 
Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. When you look at others with their lands of gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings, money cannot buy, your reward in heaven, nor your home on high. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend, help and comfort give you to your journey's end. And here's the chorus, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God hath done, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God hath done. But the writer's teaching us is that when the waves of life are tossing over us, the Bible talks about when we're getting plummeted into the deep, huh? and when we're going to be tempted now to complain, to be frustrated, to be discouraged, when the burdens and the worries of life are kind of just coming over us, right? And we're tempted to grumble or get in a bad mood or become discontented. Huh? When you see others prospering materially beyond what you've been able to accomplish, huh? you're going to be tempted to become discontent with what you have, and therefore what you have to you has no more value, when in fact it could be, has a ton of value. And you're going to think, could, could, my life is no good, could it be any worse than this? But the writer of this hymn says the answer to this problem of negativity, this answer to the problem of discontentment that we're prone to, he said the answer is to count your blessings, huh? Sit there and count your blessings. I'm going to tell you, some of the best motivational speakers out there, life-changing people, huh? they teach this. huh? They teach you to sit down. Tony Robbins, a great speaker, he teaches this. huh? Covey taught this. They teach this to sit down and do an inventory of what you have because you've got something. Can you speak English? Boom. Huh? Can you, can you, do you know math? Boom. Do you know currency? You mean like francs? No, no, euros? No, no. I mean like five cents and ten cents and 15 cents, okay? You've got something, and most of you have a whole lot more than that going on, right? God put this thing of gratitude in me. I don't know if I'll get to it on, on what drove this, and I guess I will. I'll do it now, okay? You know, I've mentioned to you about me going back to Brooklyn. Every couple of years, two, three years, I travel. I journey back to Brooklyn, and I do that for the fun and for the food, right? You know, a lot of Italians, not too many French Canadians, good food, right? Okay. <laughs> I've been kind lately. I've, I've been good to you, man, you know? <laughs> yeah. We haven't even gone to the whole baseball thing. Nobody's talking about baseball. That's because the Red Sox are stinking up the place, and my Yankees are doing better than you, right? So we'll get there. That's, that's one thing to be grateful for, huh? The Yankees, that I'm a Yankee fan, right? <laughs> I'm not grateful for that, okay? So listen. But I go in there uh, for several reasons, but one of them is I, I go in there, it's kind of like a spiritual journey for me. It is. There's a very deep, meaningful part of that trip when I go in, and it started about seven years ago. Yeah, I was 44, 50, so it started over seven years ago. I went in there with my son, Justin, and, uh, you know, he wanted to go in because he hears about, you know, Brooklyn, where I grew up, and Coney Island, where I was born. And so I take him there. I think I've tossed this out to you, if not in a group, personally. And... Uh, we go, to, uh, we go right to Coney Island, 
And, you know, we, we're walking around on the boardwalk, and we go on the cyclone. It's like one of the oldest wooden roller coasters in the bumper cars. And then, you know, we go to Nathan's, you know, to get some hot dogs and the cheese fries. And we go into the, uh, you know, after we eat, and he's like, Dad, i got to use the bathroom. We go into the bathroom, and I'm standing there, and I'm in the bathroom. And at that moment, it just hits me, you know. And, uh, you know, for about 40 years, maybe give or take right around this time of the year, about 40 years ago, I'm four years old, and my father overdoses of heroin right there in Nathan's bathroom. So the very same bathroom that I'm standing in, they don't change anything in Nathan's, not the food, not the sign, not the bathrooms, the very same bathroom that I'm standing in with my 10-year-old son 40 years ago, give or take a week probably, my father, my biological father, overdoses on heroin. And in that moment, you know, so much could have came up on me, but what came up on me was gratitude. I'm looking at Justin, I'm, I'm quickly perceiving who I am, and, and it, I'm just, I'm in awe of God, right? I'm in absolute awe of God. Like, there's no way anyone logically, intellectually, could, could tell me there's not a God. Because I know what I came from, and I knew who I was, and here I am now, a pretty decent guy, you know, doing something heartfelt and productive with his son. Wow. How did this happen? And I'm filled with this immense gratitude that there's no bitterness, there's no anger, there's no being upset. I'm just filled with gratitude. And I I took Justin, we went up to the boardwalk, and I I share with him the story. And I tell him, Justin, this is my story. I said, but this is your story. And you've got to bring this story to your children because this is how we are thankful. We are filled with gratitude to God for what he has done in our lives. That's why I am here. That's why you are here. That's why your your children will go forward in the faith because of what God has done in our lives. And we are grateful to him. And that is powerful, Justin. Be filled with gratefulness and thankfulness to your God. That is the most powerful thing that you will have in life. And I really believe that with all my heart. Worship team, why don't you come on up because it's 11.04 and i got to blast through this. Listen. Realize this. Realize the good that God has brought into your life. He has right now. Feel that. Internalize that. Wake up. Take a look. Notice that God has sprinkled and planted good things in your life. Just that you're here now is the favor and the privilege of God on your life. Acknowledge how faithful God is. Just by acknowledging that a a greater force than you exist and and thinking outside yourself is enough to lift you out of this place of discouragement, despair, or depression that you might be in. And I'm not minimizing the seriousness of that. I'm telling you that as you acknowledge that there is a God, just that and this powerful force, real force, exists outside of you, You'll transcend your current circumstances and then embrace it. Accept with your whole heart, open arms, that you have been given a gift, that you have blessings. And then let it sink in. Realize, acknowledge, embrace. This is the nurturing of gratitude. This is gratitude growing within you. It'll bring clarity. It'll bring comfort even as you sit there. Listen, being grateful doesn't protect you from pain or sorrow. It doesn't protect you from any of that. But as you see this injection of gratitude into your life, it'll help you 
rise above that. It'll help you manage that. It'll help you press on in life and you'll grow and see a betterment of your life even in the midst of pain, sorrow, and suffering. We have seen this over and over. This is why Christianity flourishes. This is why it still exists. This is why I'm here. This is why you're here. If you really examine your life, this is why you're here. Because of gratitude. Today is Mother's Day. And I just want to get through this. Today is Mother's Day. It's a day of celebration. And it should be, huh? For many, it's kind of a peculiar day, huh? It's a kind of a cloudy day in one's emotions, right? Because we come from different families. You know, I suffered for many years with a poor relationship with my mother. And you think, oh, that was before you came to know Jesus. You had to come to Jesus moment. No. Years after that, you're like, okay, when you became a minister, then it changed. No, it didn't. Oh, don't get me wrong. I got, I tried hard from my come to Jesus moment to when I became a minister and I'm out there preaching about forgiveness and all of this stuff. I tried really hard to forgive my mother for what I felt, in my opinion, with the wrong she maybe had done to me or the pains or hurt she brought into my life. I, I, I gave it my best effort, huh? And yet a little change, but not much change. We'd like, you know, one step forward, two steps back, back and forth, up and down. And you see, the problem was that I was trying. I was trying so hard. I was always looking at what I perceived in my view were the wrongs my mom had committed, what she had done. I put all my focus and all my energy into that, how she might have hurt me or what I didn't have. You know, clearly I was not treating my mother in a way that honored God. I could justify it. I could explain it. It seemed reasonable. And by the way, I was doing everything I could, seeking God, enabling me to forgive her. And then the day came when I stopped trying. I stopped trying to treat my mother in a Christian way. I stopped trying, you know, to just obey the rules. I stopped trying to forgive her. You see, religion says, here are the rules. Make it happen. Get it done. God says, if you recognize me, if you acknowledge me, if you embrace me, I will live in you and I will give you the ability and the power to do all these things, huh? And I will give you gratitude, you know? And I began to cry out to God and talk openly and honestly with God. My hurts, my confusion, all that was going on. And he showed me that I had a warped view of my mother. And he gave me a better understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Doesn't mean it's not logical. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's your understanding. Well, trust in God. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, huh? And he will make your path straight. He will bring you out of that place of confusion and emotional suffering. Huh? He will bring you out of that place of having Mother's Days and Christmas and Father's Days where it's just kind of clouded. You can't walk into a Hallmark store and buy something because it just agitates you. He'll bring you out of that. huh? And he'll bring you to a wholesome place, a healthy place, a stable place, a more mature place that you can now share with your children and your grandchildren. You can splash life. I recognized it. I acknowledged it. I embraced it. Huh? And then I treated my mom. I began to treat her in a way that she deserved and that honored God. Huh? Right about about time we started a church. You know? Fearing God, knowing what we were walking into. I just started doing inventory in my life. And I just, and there I examined this and I just crying out to God. And I said, wow, I've been really going about this the wrong way. And now we, we have the best, a very healthy, a very heartfelt, just a, a good relationship between me and my mom and me and my adopted father. And I, I just, I thank God. I thank God, but I'm so grateful for gratitude. 
I began to be thankful for my mom that she had me at 15 years old. I began, I began to examine her life and I found all these reasons where she was courageous, where she did the best she could, where, my God, it could have been so much worse, where amazingly she fought through to do this right. And I began to be grateful for her, you see? And every time I became grateful, there was a healing. Every time, and I drew closer to God and thanked God. Every time I was grateful for something in her life, even though prior I had examined it and I had judged her and convicted her and just, oh, now that narrative was gone from my head. The ugliness, the pain, it was all, that, that story was gone. I had a new story now, huh? A new song in my heart, huh? God was working great in Dave. This is what he has for you. If you will recognize him, acknowledge him, and embrace him for who he truly is. All right, you're standing behind me. You're doing so well, right? Okay, look, understand the, obstacle of, understand the obstacles of gratitude. Choose to focus on the good. Remind yourself of all you have to be grateful. Listen, your story might be different than mine. I have a very convoluted, peculiar story, right? But I promise you there is evidence in your life of God's faithfulness and God's provision and reasons for you to dwell in being, being grateful. Christy, my dear wife, my precious wife, her story is very different from mine. She grew up in a Christian home. Well, yeah, no, she did. She grew up in a Christian home. For the most part, she stayed pretty close to the face, tracked in it, you know, sung in church, you know, went to Bible college. You know, and I would be confused because I'd come around when I came around Christian circles, like at 28 years old, 29 years old. I was like the big deal because I had this really peculiar story of coming to faith. And they wanted me to talk and they wanted me to put me up there. And I'm like, but but she's got the better. She's got this. You know, she hung in there, you know, not perfectly, you know, you know, but she 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 endured. She persevered and you went to college and, you know, stayed in the faith. And that's a big deal, huh? So I'm thinking, man, you probably want to be giving her some, you know, <laughs> what's it called, dabs or whatever it is, I don't know. Okay. You know, giving her some attention. And we do. So whatever your story is, the point is God is in that story, huh? And uh, listen, this place is filled with wonderful moms today. You, you, you got to know that deep inside, that God enabled you to... to Bring a child in this world. Oh, God enabled you to, to take on and bring a child into your life, huh? I, I, a few years ago, I, 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 a couple of years ago, I sat in the cinema with a woman, you know, and I, and I told her to, we spoke about being filled with gratitude and that clarity and that comfort would enable her to see God's provision and her struggles, you know, to have a child. And, and I'm going to tell you today, it's astonishing what God has done in her life, what God has done in her family's life, how he has blessed her. And I look back and I see gratitude, gratitude, and the holding on to and the nurturing and the embracing and the recognizing and acknowledging of gratitude. Huh? And, we'll, and it, that's your path, my friends. So I'm just, I'm really pre, I'm going off here, okay? Listen, look, do you have a relationship with God? Today, I'm at, do you have a relationship with God? Do you talk to God? Do you think of him? Do you acknowledge him? Not as a, you know, guy out there telling you what to do and not to do, but someone you could talk openly and honestly with, meaning you could have intimacy with. All good intimacy begins with honesty in a relationship, right? Can you just talk to God today? Can you just speak to him knowing that, wow, there's good and evil in this world. I know it. And if there's good and evil, there's a God and there's a devil. And I want to know God. I want to talk to him. He made me. I, I want to know this emotion of gratitude in a great way. I want it to be lively in my life. huh? Well, then I want you to know this, that because 
Jesus died for your sins. We're going to jump right into this, huh? That's the heart and soul of our relationship with God. Because you say, why sins? Well, when we get that whole thing that we're broken and we're flawed and we have these sins and we do things apart from God, we miss the target that God set out, you know, put out there for us. But because of Christ's death, we can be filled with gratitude, huh? We can have this gratitude that you and I can stand here now and talk to God and feel God and be intimate with God and have a relationship with God. That's the power of it. But if you would believe in that today, and you would trust that Jesus gave his life for you, and you would right now desire that and be, have confidence that Jesus would be at the center of your life, that he would lead your life, huh? Well, then the Bible says that you are a new creation, and the old is going and the new is coming, and now you are so poised to be filled with gratitude that you will walk out of this place without feeling a greater sense of gratitude as you begin to realize, I have hope, I have a newness, my relationships can be better and will be better, and I am going to live a life of gratitude, yes? Yes. 